0: From the Tulsa world, this is the OU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Eric Bailey
1: and Mason Young. Well, Mason, we made it to the regular season finale. Hey, thanks for joining Mason Young and Eric Bailey, myself, here as we get ready for the last regular season game, Oklahoma versus visiting TCU. 11 a.m. Friday, Black Friday game. Their first non-Saturday game at home since, I think, the 2019 opener against Houston. A lot riding on this game. Uh 11 a.m., we knew it was going to be 11 a.m. all season long. I think this is the seventh or eighth 11 a.m. game they've had all year. So uh just the typical start time for the Sooners. But there's a lot riding on this game as we look toward what could happen with the Big 12 Conference Championship game. Uh, what bowl game the Sooners could possibly play in if they don't make the championship game, and also just to see the health of Dylan Gabriel, if he's going to return. Uh, of course, it was replaced by Jackson Arnold at halftime after the uh, win at BYU, 31-24. Mason, uh, just your thoughts on uh, the finale. Here we are, 9-2. and two. They, they got a chance to win 10 games.
0: Yeah, and and I think as we look back at it, thinking about the beginning of the season, I think a lot of people hoped that the floor for this team would be like nine and three. So to get to 10 and two, uh, you know, at this point, you have to feel pretty good about that. It is obviously progress from last year going six and seven and just how bad they were uh, last year, how much room for improvement they had. The transfer portal and, and the recruiting class has been kind to them and the coaching by and large has been a lot better this year. Uh, it still has a long way to go. You know, you have every right to be upset with the losses uh, to Oklahoma State and Kansas. Those were games that OU probably should have won. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, I was saying this on the radio earlier. Brent Venables has talked before about wanting to take this program from good to great, and there's there's still a long way from that. The SEC going into the SEC next year isn't going to make it any easier and so, uh, you know, you need all the momentum you
1: can get here at the end
0: of the season going into next year being your first year in the SEC.
1: Eight points. That's all that separates Oklahoma from being a undefeated team going into the final week. Of course, there was the loss at Kansas 38 33, followed by the OSU loss 27 24. Uh, it's so easy to look back and say, well, this would have happened, this would have happened. But if you do that, you're almost like a USC coach, right? just a couple plays away from being undefeated so i don't i don't want to go there so we will not go there but uh mason a lot of big 12 scenarios when we think about what can happen i think the most important thing is oklahoma has to win first and foremost that's the most important thing they have to take care of business i think they're 11 point favorites going into this game against the horn frogs um if i remember correctly they need an oklahoma state loss at home to BYU and a win would put them against texas or they need a combination of an OSU win, a Texas loss, and then a Kansas State loss. So the easiest road, of course, is to, to win the game and then uh, have Oklahoma State lose. Uh, if there's any ever a time when OU fans want OSU to lose, this is it. Uh, and uh, I just don't know if BYU has the horses to win in Stillwater on senior day. Uh, they may have, uh, but BYU has a lot to play for too, as it does TCU. Both are looking for that sixth win. Yeah, you know,
0: BYU was talking about potentially having Keaton Slovis back next or last week against OU. He obviously didn't play. It was Jake Retzlaff, but, you know, maybe they bring him back at 100 percent this week. And that gives them a a little bit more juice uh, in the fight against OSU. But for OU, you know, you can't be worried that your sole focus has to be on beating TCU and fixing the mistakes from last week. The run defense was a really big problem for the Sooners last week. You were facing a team that came in ranked dead last in the Big 12 and rushing, averaging 90 and a half yards per game. And you gave up nah, I'm, a lot of yards, a lot of yards, Eric. And, and uh, you know, it. it's about the linebackers being positioned in position where they were supposed to be. Danny Stutzman obviously playing through food poisoning didn't have his best game of the season overall. Kip Lewis struggled some in this game and that opened the door for uh, Kobe McKenzie to to play some more snaps. Jaron Kanick uh, you know playing a lot less has struggled a lot over these past few weeks and is not playing um, hardly as much as he was the beginning of the season. So getting that all adjusted uh, has to be priority one for Brent Venables going into this matchup with TCU a team that is more capable in the rushing game than BYU on paper. And uh, that, that's got to be key one. And, and Brent Venables says, uh, you know, because it's one game, it's not a full season where they've had these issues and he has a, a good body of work. He feels like uh, this is something that's going to be fixable. So, uh, you know, hopefully for RU's sake, they can get that fixed. Uh, that's going to be probably the biggest thing to watch on Friday
1: Well, players will go through their final games at Oklahoma, uh, super seniors, I guess. And there's a lot more that can come back uh, if they'd like, including Dylan Gabriel. If he'd like to return, I don't think he will, but you just never know. But among the players that are playing their last game at home, Rondell Bothroyd, Isaiah Cole, Jordan Kelly, Jonah Laulu, Laulu, I'm going to admit well, I'm going to get that name right before it's all over. McKay Matower, Phil Paella, Reggie Pearson, Walter Rouse, Caleb Schaefer, Austin Stogner, Drake Stoops, and Marcus Stripling. Those 12 are playing their final game. Justin Harrington uh, is on that list, but it's believed he will petition for a hardship where he can return next year. Uh, it's unknown if he's going to go through the ceremony on Friday or not. Oklahoma, one player that is expected to go through the ceremony, Dylan Gabriel, uh, quarterback for the Sooners who was injured against BYU, took a hard hit to the head right before halftime. Brent Vittable said it was an upper body injury. Of course, I think everyone believes it was a concussion, the way he hit hit his head and, uh, you know, just didn't come out in the second half, stayed in the locker room. So uh, let me ask you this, Mason, w- without Dylan Gabriel in the lineup on Saturday, which or Friday, sorry, Friday, um, what do you expect out of Jackson Arnold if he does have the entire game has running the offense himself.
0: Well, that will definitely be interesting to watch. You liked what you saw from him in the second half against BYU. He obviously did just what they needed him. To. He managed the game. He let Gavin Sawchuck uh, carry the load on the ground, but he also did some stuff on the ground and uh, he made he made some throws. You know when they needed him to. Uh, we're we're gonna look back uh for a long time at that throw to Jalil Farouk on third down, just how impressive it was to of of Jackson Arnold to recognize the zero blitz, to to check into slants and to make that throw when they needed it most to ice the game. Uh so obviously, you know, showed a lot of promise in that that full first full half of uh collegiate football, but uh TCU uh, you know, potentially uh Uh, a a better challenge than than BYU BYU's defense was pretty physical give them credit but just feel like TCU's probably overall a better team uh we'll be curious to see if they open up the playbook a little bit more and give him more chances to throw you know with an entire game to account for and, and correct mistakes and and whatnot uh We'll be curious to see if uh, Jeff Levy lets him throw the ball anymore. He's obviously looked good when he's had the opportunities early in the season. You think about the touchdown he threw to Jaden Gibson in the first game and then the the long ball uh, uh, get to Nick Anderson against Tulsa. I mean, just a beauty of a ball, 50-yard pass to the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. And so, obviously, he this guy can throw the ball, uh, you know, with, with accuracy and distance. Uh, and and perhaps, you know, we're going to get a little bit more taste of, of what all he can do if indeed he is uh, the starter from the jump against TCU.
1: Wide receiver. We talked about Drake Stoops just a second ago going through his last game. It's going to be uh, weird. This is the last game. There'll be a Stoops on this football field during a game. We go back to 1999 when his father, Bob, took over the program. Uh, Drake Stoops as well, uh, a finalist for the Burlesworth Award, which is giving to the most outstanding player who began his career as a walk-on. Uh, Drake will be honored on December the 4th in Arkansas. Uh, one of three finalists will uh, have coverage of that event as well. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Drake a little bit, too. He, he It's going to be surreal. I mean, I thought it was neat they asked him how much he enjoyed the Stoops whenever he catches the ball by the home fans. And when not on the road, too. They, we hear that too. Uh, Drake's excited about that, but kind of bittersweet. It sounds like. I want to ask you about another player too, uh, Mason Jalil Farouk. Now we saw him make that big catch, as that you mentioned, checking off and catching that eight-yard pass, which sealed the game. But well, we were really kind of under the radar both on Saturday and then, you know, as was brought up by uh, unprompted by Brent Venables was Farouk was injured on that play too. You know, they, they had a review to make sure the spot was right. Well, during the review, Farouk was getting tended to by the trainers and um, Brent is kind of guard saying that um, Dylan, they're hoping to have him back as well as Jalil. They, they, it, I didn't know that the injury was going to, could be long lasting or not. We'll find out what's that wide receiver group like without Jalil Farouk. Yeah, I mean
0: obviously they're going to become a lot more reliant on Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson. And I think the 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 positive thing is uh you know Nick Anderson's been really really um uh, cons- has had a couple games that have been tough this year but uh, I think overall body of work has been, you know, a consistent uh player for OU in terms of just being a touchdown maker. I mean, he's just a real weapon in the red zone with his size. And uh Jaden Gibson obviously uh really impressed in that BYU game, had a 55 yard catch uh you know early in the game, and then uh had a also had a, a 20 a, a 20 plus yard touchdown uh catch in the, in the first half. And so, you know, more more reliance on those guys if if Jalil Farouk can't go, and obviously, you know, Drake Stoops will continue to be a focal point. Just four catches for 60 some odd yards last week, not um uh, not as much as obviously the two weeks previous when he was uh, setting up career highs, back to back weeks. But you know uh, he'll he'll continue to you know be in the mix. Um, wonder if maybe just uh, Dylan Gabriel has a little bit more comfortability with him than Jackson Arnold does, just their rapport, their connection. Uh, but you know you feel like the the Gibson thing, you uh, know, you know with Farouk out, you know that ought to play up a little bit more because him and Arnold have been running with the twos, you know, the entire season. And uh, their chemistry, obviously, from the jump was good. You know, had a a touchdown pass and catch uh, together in the season opener against Arkansas State mentioned previously. So, uh, you know, obviously, it it would not be an ideal position uh, to have Jalil Farouk out. It just continues to thin uh, the depth in that room. Uh, We've obviously – spoken at length about uh, how much Andrell Anthony's, uh, you know, injury and not him not being around at all for the second half of the season has affected that group. He was definitely the top wide receiver in that group and, and just the most consistent uh, playmaker and downfield threat. Uh, so not ideal if Joel Farouk can't play, but uh, also not something that,
1: that you feel like would be insurmountable
0: against this TCU team.
1: You know there's one player that we didn't see uh which was a surprise because we were told he was healthy after the fact but Tyler Guyton didn't play Jacob Sexton got the start over at right tackle which was really really uh interesting because you look at Tyler Guyton you're looking at a first a projected first round draft pick and um I think you know the the question was asked you know how close was he to being available that was your question right hmm? that a question the press conference just yeah man. I mean I
0: wanted he's yeah he suited up he suited up and uh, I guess I was really just surprised that he didn't play it at all. so I, I just wanted to get the clarification of was he not a hundred percent and you brought him because you thought maybe he'd be able to go and then he couldn't or what did he get benched and from what the answer we got is he's been benched, which is pretty crazy.
1: So, but you know what? For the future, I mean, you, you kind of get excited. I know it's it, you still have a lot of football left in front of you this season, but for the future, I think that's huge because not only him but King Green are getting some really important reps as young football players, and I think that's huge. Um, But yeah, uh, that was really interesting that he said he was available. It's more what Jacobs done, not what Tyler hasn't, you know, done. So I thought that was interesting too. So I'd really tell you. How high this offensive line, how high offensive line coach Bill Bedenboe is on Jacob Sexton, who, you know, was injured, of course, late last season, worked his way back to health, and uh, now has taken, uh, taken really as big advantage of his opportunities as he can. One thing, uh, you know, every day, every time we do this podcast, me and you go over what we're going to talk about, and one thing that's not on my list that I do want to bring up is the kicker situation. We, we didn't, we didn't plan to talk about that, but, you know, uh, Zach Schmidt again struggled at BYU, missed a 28 yard chip shot. And, uh, you know, in a game that's a one possession game, every point's important. We saw the misses at Kansas, saw the misses at Oklahoma State. We just, it's just something that, you know, in close games, you need to have that accurate kicker. Uh, Zach Schmidt made eight of his first nine and then the next nine field goals up to this point, he's only made four. So there's a lot of, you know, not a lot of confidence, it seems like, especially among the fan base. But you wonder what the confidence level is inside that locker room in those coaches' offices. We had a chance to ask uh Brent Venables about Zach Schmidt, and he just basically said get better with the confidence and the fundamentals of kicking. He admitted that everything's too inconsistent there, and he did tell us that they kicked multiple guys in practice, and and Zach Schmidt's been the most consistent guy in practice. So, uh you know, it just makes you wonder how if they're going to go – into the portal and try to find a kicker, uh, a veteran kicker. I mean, that's, that's a position of need for the Sooners right now going forward because you, you really got spoiled a little bit over the past couple of years with your kicking game, Gabe Berkitch, um uh, who, who am I thinking of with the Austin Seibert? Couldn't think of Austin. Austin? Yeah, exactly. You got a little spoiled with the kicking, uh, and now uh, you're having a hard time, you know, uh, Zach Smith even kicked a kickoff out of bounds uh, when Oklahoma had momentum. I don't think it was entirely his fault. It looked like he slipped because the, the fields were awful at BYU. Great, great stadium, terrible field. But still, I think that all all year long, it's one of those things. I just don't think the, the confidence is there in that coaching staff. And, and when it comes to crunch time from this point on, I think they're going to go for it on fourth downs more than they're going to try to kick a field goal. Yeah, that'll definitely be something to monitor.
0: Uh, I have, I've seen some conjecture over the past few days and it's not like I've been watching this super closely, but there has been uh, some people positing that perhaps the holds that Zach Schmidt is getting have not been super consistent this year. And that, uh, you know, that's, that's part of the issue, but I don't think you can blame that overall. Uh, I, I don't think there's any way that that you can say all six misses uh, were chalked up to that. Uh, and, and unfortunately for OU, it just sounds like they really have no other, no other option. I mean, uh, somehow we started seeing, you know, several games ago, uh, I think probably around the time of the UCF game, Gavin Marshall not uh, being suited out for these games. And Brent Venables finally confirmed this week that uh, he, he's been injured. And so uh, they really just don't have any other, the uh, any other options. The other kicker is uh, uh, Reddy Mustafa Raj. He's a, a junior college transfer. And um, it sounds like, you know, between him and, and Smith, Smith is still being more consistent in practice. And so, and, with Marshall injured, uh, you know, it, it sounds like it's really left them no other choice, but to continue to uh, ride Schmidt through the ups and downs, uh, you know, I, I, it will be interesting to see if they go for more uh, fourth downs uh, moving forward. Uh, the next uh, couple games, I think we saw that a little bit against Kansas. He did not attempt a field goal against Kansas. Um, I think they, uh, they weren't in a, a whole lot of fourth down situations from what I recall, but, um, you know, uh, Perhaps uh, we will see. Uh, we'll get a good look at that against TCU if they're indeed in that situation and uh, have an opportunity to to take a little bit more of a chance. Leave the offense out there on the field. Um, do they do that? Because I mean, the kick he missed against uh, BYU, I believe, was twenty-seven yards, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a chipping should be it should be automatic, and and for them to come away with no points from that uh, is is pretty inexcusable. So, no more Oklahoma drill for Gavin Marshall, right? Is that how he got injured? I mean, if they like, I just don't understand. I mean, we, it <laughs> must have been fooling around or something, playing kicking games. Um, uh, because I mean, that uh, yeah, maybe they threw him in the W drill. I don't
1: know. <laughs> no clue. No clue. Um, switching over to D as Billy Bowman, man, what a game nine tackles, 100 yard interception return for a touchdown named the Big 12 defensive player of the week and you talked about steady he's just been steady all year long and what's impressed me most what impressed me most about BYU wasn't just the interception he had some big open field tackles that you know kept some big plays from going for touchdowns i mean he's such a sure tackler uh really takes good angles gets guys on the ground just outstanding player and uh, now we silently quietly he's uh leads the big 12 in interceptions with 5 and he's in the top 10 uh, and I tell you, he's playing like an All American that really, really impresses me a lot. He was named a uh, permanent captain this week and Brent Venables, you know, just kind of gushed about him a little bit, talking about how he's a quiet guy, but all the, the whole team has a lot of respect for him. Uh, Brent Venables exact words. Well, he'll be the first one to tell you that he's so far from being a polished product, but he has a chance to be great because of his worth ethic, his attention to details, love for the game. So, I, I didn't think if you know Billy Bowman, he may be you know, 1A is Danny Sessman but 1B is Billy Bowman for Defensive Player of the Year for the Sooners. Absolutely. Looking back at that game, uh, looking
0: at the pro football focus grades from that game, uh, he his grade was in the 90s, which you're, you're on a scale to 100. His grade was in the 90s. OU's next best grade was Dejon Terry at like 71. I mean, that's how. That's how much better Billy Bowman was than the entire rest of the defense in that game against BYU. He was head and shoulders above, flying around, making plays. Uh, Looking at the season numbers, he's third on the team in snaps and second in tackles. Uh, Actually flipped those numbers, vice versa. Uh, But obviously up there in the top three on both. And, and yeah, to your point, just just a quiet leader who just goes and and does his job. Uh, You know, maybe doesn't get the most credit, but uh, is definitely deserving. And it'll be really interesting to to see what he does because obviously he's a junior. You know the NFL is on the table, and, and we'll find out in a few weeks uh, about you know if he's on the fence at all or, or what he's thinking about his future. Um, you know if, if he did come back, obviously Brent Venables talked about he's still got a lot of room to grow and improve, and you know maybe he feels that that's the best route is to stick at Oklahoma for another year or and continue his development, but uh you know he 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 might be getting some looks now uh that you know this this uh this award the big 12 defensive player of the week uh and and everybody seeing uh, you know his 100 yard pick six comes at a good time for him you know towards the end of the season where he can be weighing those options and and you know maybe this is uh it it's, it's either uh you know a high point and continue to build off of this as a college player or maybe it's something that gets an NFL team really interested in Billy
1: Bowen You mentioned it when we started talking about the defense, the linebackers, the run fits. And uh, that was an issue when you talked about BYU uh, running the football like they did for more than 200 yards against the Sooners. Uh, A lot of missed run fits. And Brent Venables was asked again this week about that. And uh, Brent Venables thinks it's fixable. He talked about how, you know, guys are just got to stay gap sound. Gotta read their keys and, and it just wasn't happening. And this might be the first time we saw Kip Lewis really play like a freshman. Uh, you know, it just it was a tough game for Kip. Um, Kobe Kobe uh McKenzie came in and had a decent game at linebacker too, alongside Danny Stetsman, who man, food poisoning, 10 tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, strip sack, you know, the force fumble, two tackles for loss. That's not a bad day's work for someone with food poisoning. But one thing about um Danny is he's got Kobe, he's got Kip next to him. They're changing positions too. You know, Danny's just not he's playing Mike, he's playing Will, he's going back and forth, he's trying to get these young linebackers uh integrated into the system. It's a lot to ask him, but he's still producing. But uh and, and we talked about Jaron Cannick too. Uh just how many snaps did he play? And was it eight snaps? Is that what you said? So we're seeing more of a, we're seeing more of a development, a youth movement, I guess. And uh, I think Kip Lewis will use this game as a learning experience and Brent Venables will use it as a teaching tool uh, moving forward uh, in what to do and of course, what not to do in these situations.
0: Yeah, you would hope so, right? I mean, TCU, uh, they're uh, running back. Imani Bailey is is having a a really good season, so uh, it's going to be a, a better challenge for OU uh, going into uh, this matchup. Uh, I guess the good thing is, and we've mentioned it a couple times now, is you feel like it's fixable. Uh, you know, it it, it was a one week flare up, and now uh, you know they've got the opportunity to uh, to fix it here at the end of the season, and uh, you know make sure that they that they've got it right. So. Uh, We'll see how how the linebackers fare when TCU comes to town on Friday.
1: Going to the secondary, uh, we mentioned Billy Bowman with five interceptions this year to lead the Big 12. There's a player with four interceptions on this Oklahoma football team who hasn't played in the past two weeks. Gentry Williams, of course, suffered the shoulder injury uh, a couple games ago. And uh, we were told last week that he was practicing. Didn't play on Saturday. We were told again this week that he's practicing. Will he play on Friday? I don't know. Uh, that cornerback spot, it's really, really getting banged up. And while you have Woody Washington, you know, just, just been a rock at cornerback on one side, it's been a revolving door on the other side at cornerback. Oklahoma's at its best when Gentry Williams is on the field, just haven't seen it. And those other guys are, are getting, uh, getting some looks, getting some snaps. But man, sometimes it's tough for guys, uh, to go out there like Josiah Des- Desai- Wagner, you know, you get a young kid out there uh, playing. It- it's just it's just tough sometimes, I think. Yeah, uh, you know, and
0: thinking about injuries as well, Makari Vickers uh, didn't play last week after getting hurt uh, the previous game. Uh, Jacoby Johnson's been out there some, but um, hasn't really flashed a ton. Uh, it- it's one of those positions where if you're Brent Venables, you know, obviously he's very thankful for Woody. And, uh, uh, the consistency that he's brought to that group and the way he's mentored those other players, uh, and, and, you know, they're, they're not going to have him next season, you know, this is probably his last game on Owen field as well on Friday. And so, uh, getting Ginger Williams back and getting him back in a groove, uh, towards the end of the season would be ideal. And really all these other guys getting them the experience that they're going to need, uh, to be the guys next year i also uh think it's really intriguing obviously they move they moved kendall dolby to cheetah out of necessity you know deson mccullough was banged up and they had other guys that, at the safety position that were hurt out of the season so they moved him to the cheetah position and he's been you know really good but i wonder if uh you know they do something different with that next year and he factors in more at corner uh, than he did uh this year, obviously, he was playing corner to start the year, and then moved to Cheetah, I believe, at the start of Big Twelve play. And uh, so, I, I would be interested to see uh, what what they do with the secondary in the portal. Uh, and, and this, you know, this might the season's not over yet. This might be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves talking about portal stuff. And I'm sure we'll have more and more conversations about it. But uh, the The corner position is one where you are either really going to need these freshmen to grow up and make a big leap fast going into next year so that they are not getting exposed against SEC wide receivers. Or you're going to have to find a veteran in the portal that is going to be able to play significant snaps for you if these guys can't uh, develop as quickly as you'd like them to and stay healthy as well.
1: Oklahoma versus TCU, 11 a.m. Friday, a Black Friday game. Oklahoma trying to win 10 games in the season for the 42nd time in history. Uh, that is one off the record set by the ball teams Alabama. They're one behind Alabama. So, but, uh, 11 o'clock, uh, Memorial Stadium, Oklahoma and TCU. Uh, let's switch gears before we say goodbye. Uh, hit, I want to hit a little bit of basketball. If you don't mind, I'll go ahead and talk about the women's team first. Uh, but we have two teams that are five and oh right now. Uh two basketball teams that are playing really, really well. Uh the Oklahoma women are nationally ranked right now. They're number twenty-two in the Associated Press poll. They have games on Uh, Wednesday against Princeton, uh, a pretty tough Princeton team that's receiving votes. And then they also have a game on Friday against number 19, Tennessee. So the Sooners went to Virginia and got a really big win over the weekend, a 12-point win there. They have the 10-point win at number 12, Ole Miss. This is a team with a new roster, but all these new faces are really coming together well. Uh, they have, uh, they have, uh, six players or five players, excuse me, averaging in double figures. Uh, Peyton Verhofst, Holst, the Louisville transfer is averaging 15 half points and 5.6 rebounds a game and as well as 4.6 assists, which are big time numbers. And, uh, Skylar Van, of course, just so steady, 14 and eight and six and four. This Oklahoma team is sharing the foot, the football, excuse me sharing the basketball pretty well, too. Uh, as always, this is just a staple of Jenny Baranchek. The team has is leading the Big 12 with 23.2 assists per game, which is seventh nationally. Uh, it's pretty impressive. They're averaging 89.9, 89.8 points a game. So they, they are still filling up the bucket. It's, it's, it's incredible how steady they have been under check offensively, just so offensively sound. So this is a fun team to watch. Uh, we'll see what happens with, especially with that Tennessee game. That's what I'm kind of curious about how the Sooners will play against Tennessee, uh, who is a future SEC opponent. We'll see them next year on the schedule more than likely as well. Switching to the men. I think the men have a, uh, have some, you know, some challenges this week and I'm looking forward to them stepping up in competition. Uh, poor Mosier and you had a chance to talk to Porter today.
0: Yeah, you know, they get they're headed out to San Diego for the Rady Children's Invitational. They get Iowa on Thanksgiving and then on Friday play the winner of Seton Hall and USC. This is a really big week for this program, in all honesty. Uh, you know, we got it's really early, but uh, Joe Lenardi from ESPN put out the bracketology today. Uh, not sure if this is the first one um, or if he's had previous ones, uh, but this one feels really early. Right now, he has OU as a uh, in the first four out of the NCAA tournament. And, uh, you're looking at, if, if you can go two and O during this event, you're looking at them, uh, potentially being ranked for the first time since 2021. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's this, this group has been, uh, in- interesting to watch, uh, so far, obviously, you know, JV and McCollum, the Sienna transfer at, at point guard is a really impressive player. He, he looks, you know, low and away their best player. And, uh, Uh, has, has really played with a lot of authority so far, but uh, one of the, the biggest positives uh, for this group is the bench. Uh, You know, you've got uh, Rivaldo Soares, the Oregon transfer, Latre Darthardt, who's a transfer from uh, Utah Valley, a really good defensive player and three point shooter, John Hughley, the big man transfer from Pittsburgh uh, coming off the bench to fill up the paint. Uh, OU ranks 20th nationally in bench, bench points per game through the the first two weeks of the season, averaging 37 and a half points off the bench. Uh, And it's, the majority of it is, is coming from those three guys scoring in double figures. Uh, you know most of their their games. So can they continue that uh, that momentum where uh, your bench guys are are coming in and as Porter Moser likes to say, uplifting you uh, versus versus uh, just just taking up space and just being bodies to to give your starters rest. So is going to be a really good test. This OU team likes to get out and run. But so does Iowa. They're they're better at it than anybody. Porter talked today about uh, it feels like you are at the battle line, he said, uh, three seconds into every possession with just how fast Iowa is in transition. So it's going to be a a speed battle uh, and uh, they can they can beat Iowa. That looks really well. And, And getting to the next day, I'd be really interested to see them face USC because I think USC is a really, really good team. They have three guards that so far um, are are averaging over 15 points per game. They beat Kansas State uh, in their first game of the season on opening night. Came out and and beat the Wildcats pretty handily. Obviously, Kansas State was a really good team last year. And USC is doing all this without Bronny James. The son of LeBron James uh, had cardiac arrest in the offseason and has not yet been medically cleared to play for USC. I think he's nearing a return. Uh, No idea if it'll happen this weekend, but – Feel like USC is a really good team, and if OU can, uh, you know, beat Iowa and, and then potentially play USC on Friday, uh, those would be
1: two really really good wins for
0: the Sooners in non conference play.
1: As we say, the big wins in September, in November, and December are the ones that really mean the most in March on Selection Sunday, and this is an opportunity for Oklahoma. In years past, it's just not enough quality wins. Well, the opportunity is there. And any success this weekend will pay big dividends in March. So looking forward to basketball. It's hard to believe we're talking basketball like we are. So both teams off to good starts. All right. I think that'll do it for Mason and me today. Uh, it is Tuesday. We'd like to wish everyone out there a happy Thanksgiving, of course. Uh, enjoy every eat a lot of turkey. Yet. Mason, what's your favorite side dish on uh, Thanksgiving Day? Uh, Really any kind of bread
0: and any kind of potatoes. I think we're having I think we're having either au gratin or scallop potatoes uh, this year as our as our potato dish. Uh, so looking forward to that. Something it's it's one of those you know good home cooked filling sides that you you don't get super often otherwise. So uh, and I'm a big dessert guy too. You know I'm sure we'll have some
1: pumpkin pie and and that'll be good as well. What about you? Uh, yeah, it's funny. You, you like the starches. It sounds like just, the, the start, the bread and the potatoes, man. Uh, I, you know, I, I love mashed potatoes. I love dressing. I think that's it. My mom makes a great jalapeno dressing that I enjoy too. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, deviled eggs too. She makes deviled eggs and it's, th- those don't last on the table that long. So that, that's a good meal too. So I'm looking forward to it. we we'll- Get the leftovers and then get ready for a football game. Uh, Chick fil A in the press box. That's the staple at OU. So we know for sure on Friday we're getting Chick fil A sandwiches. So, uh, so uh, thank you, Oklahoma. All right, for Mason and me, thanks so much. As always, just please listen to our to our uh, podcast every week on you know via Google, Spotify, Apple. You can read all our content at Tulsaworld.com. Uh, myself, Mason, John Shin, who does a lot of freelance work for us, is doing a lot of good stuff for us all season long. He's done great stuff for us, as well as Nate Fake in the multimedia. He'll have highlights of Saturday, uh, Friday's game. I want to mess it up again. Friday's game for you as well at Tulsaworld.com. As always, thanks for listening. Everyone out there, happy Thanksgiving.